What's up, everybody? Before we jump into today's podcast, just want to jump in real quick and remind you you can find me, your host, Philip Jordan, on social media and where all you can find the podcast. Of course, you can find me on social media at PJordanSCC, and you can find a podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast platforms. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means a lot. If you review, we'll read it on a future edition of the show. And of course, you can email me at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. And now let's jump into today's show. Welcome to Talkin' SEC. Writer, photographer, and producer Philip Jordan discusses the latest news and breaks down the biggest games with the best analysts around. Now, from Southeast Alabama, a state that knows its sports, here is Philip Jordan. Everybody joining me today on the podcast is Troy Sadowski, 1988 All-American tight end for Georgia Bulldogs and nine-year NFL veteran. And uh, Troy, uh, it's been a while since we spoke, a few months, uh, but I'm uh, glad to have you on the show today. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's always good to have you on the show, talk football, get the former player uh, perspective. And uh, <laughs> uh, but first, you know, before we jump into the uh, the football talk, just uh, how how have you been with everything going on? Yeah, it's just been crazy. Uh, my schedule got cleared out for a while, which allowed me to do uh, some things around the house. But it's really good uh, to be getting back to what is, uh, I guess, called normal now. Uh, but it is good. You know, I've, I've traveled uh, to the last three weekends, and it, it's been good just to get back out and get things going. Yeah, I was, when everything first shut down, I was out of work. Uh, I was off work, I guess I would say, for about two months. And I remember the first thing I said when we went back, it was just good to see people again. <laughs> uh Getting out of the house was was very nice, but uh, as you talk about normal, uh, hopefully uh, we'll have some some sense of normal when it comes to football this fall, especially when it comes to college football. And I told you as I got you on the phone, I've just wrote down some notes, and I I guess it's overall just it really just seems like it's like everybody is like going their own way here the way college football is acting with everything going on and it, to me I, I don't get your thoughts on it how what you've been seeing but the lack of leadership almost it seems like from at the top of college football has really been noticeable through this whole ordeal it has been uh and you know one of the things was is that I think everybody was sitting around looking at each other, waiting for somebody to speak up or say something or make the first move, and nobody would do it. And then, uh, well, roughly a week ago, I guess, you know, the, uh, a couple of the uh, Power Five conferences, you know, Big Ten, they when they went ahead and they canceled their season, and now that ripple uh, effect is going out. And I heard today that uh, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but. Uh, Justin Fields got over 260,000 signatures in a little over a two-day period uh, to reinstate, uh, you know, uh, Big Ten football and play in the fall. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I mean, it's it's been hard, uh, you know, somebody making a decision because you got to understand, uh, you know, these Power Five conferences get uh, shut down for the fall. 
there's a lot of income that's lost and that income trickles down to some of the smaller programs and you know at that point then you have uh uh some some major issues when it comes to economics trying to keep a a uh, you know athletic department open and running yeah and i think a lot of people I think before this did not realize just when you have these college towns like in Athens and Auburn and Tuscaloosa of uh, the businesses in those towns, they rely a lot on college football season. I mean, they make a lot of money on them six or seven Saturdays. They get home games and, you know, without potentially a season or obviously if you have limited participation from fans, those businesses are hurting. It's not just the athletic programs. It's those local businesses in these college towns as well. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, just noticing uh, being up in Athens, my daughter and I uh, went up a couple times through the pandemic and walked around so she could get familiar with the campus and everything. And it was like a ghost town. I mean, we maybe uh, in a four-hour period passed 10 people. And then the other day when I took her up, uh, my wife and I uh, dropped her off. She's going to be attending uh, Georgia in the fall. It was just like uh, there were people everywhere, and it was really great to see that the enthusiasm. You saw a lot of people that were abiding by the rules, but then again, you saw a lot that weren't abiding by the rules, and it makes you wonder how long uh, these universities are going to tolerate this stuff before they start shutting things down and make, making students go and uh, view their classes online. Yeah, I saw a lot of different players from different sec schools talking about that uh, over the weekend on twitter and all sorts of social media that uh uh pretty much calling out some of their classmates for not doing the mass thing so that's going to be interesting too like you said i mean uh, how what the university is going to do about that and you talked about justin field and big 10 i look i the Big Ten thing to me looks like a complete mess. What's going on up there? I mean, at least with a Pac-12, they made a decision, and everybody kind of seems like they're all in agreement. The coaches, eighties presence, no one's really talking. <laughs> you look at the Big Ten, you've got Jim Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, Scott Frost at Nebraska, kind of taking you know criticizing the conference, and then like I said, Justin Field, and I did see that on Sunday. I think Sunday together he had two hundred thousand signatures on a petition. And, and and that's just something you, you kind of got your head scratched. I mean, what's going on up there? And then you and now you're seeing a lot more players like get you know letting their voices be heard. Yeah, I mean, you know, and that, that's another thing with the players. I mean, now they're put in a position where you know what do I do? Mm-hmm. Here I am uh, in a school that's shut down for the fall. The ACC and the SEC they're talking about playing. Well, you know, can I, you know, open up the portal, you know, and jump into the transfer portal? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think all that talk about Justin Fields coming back to Georgia is getting a little ridiculous. But, um, no, I mean, it, it, I'm sure it's crossing a lot of these young kids' minds because you got to realize uh, they're going to be missing uh, a full season, you know, and then they're talking about coming back and doing a spring and a fall in 2021. That's an awful lot of football for these young kids to try to tolerate. Uh, I don't know if their bodies are really ready for that. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you just, you know, put yourself in the mindset of today's player. Of course, you know, obviously, like I said, you're, you're a former player yourself. Uh, where would be, where would your mind be at if you're one of these guys worrying about, especially if you're in one of these conferences that 
did cancel their season. It would make me step back and, and wonder, uh, you know, what what is the future for college football? Uh, I personally, myself, think that we could have a full scheduled season with all the colleges across the country as long as people did what they were supposed to do and abide by the rules. Come in mm-hmm. there, uh, make it mandatory masks. If you want to cut down the occupancy, you know, or the stadium capacity, go ahead and do that. Just make sure that everybody comes in with a mask, have to wear it. Uh, they get their temperature checked. They uh, they only get bottled, you know, bottled drinks, uh, canned drinks. You know, I know that alcohol is a big issue when it comes to uh, being sold on game days and things. Well, if that's the case, make sure it's in cans. You know, just everybody, you know, the, the food's packaged and everybody uh, does what they're supposed to do. And if everybody does that, I think everything's going to be okay. But the problem is you got these people out there that aren't abiding by the rules. You know, they're, they're not doing the things that they should do. And that's where we start seeing flare-ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and here in Alabama, because I also do high school football broadcast and the team I do games for, they're not – playing their first game this Saturday, uh, Friday. They were supposed to play their first game, but they have a rule in Alabama. One player gets it, the whole thing gets shut down. So it is very uh, – it, it does feel like a week-to-week thing. Now, we talk about the spring football thing, and, I, and my feelings on that, that just – as someone that's just a fan that just talks about it, I don't see how that works because you already saw before the Pac-12 and the uh, Big Ten shut said they were going to shut down. You already saw some – good players saying they weren't going to participate this season that would be even worse in the spring and like i said from your side of things being a former player how much taxing would that be on a player to try to play a spring season and turn around and play again in the fall oh that would be incredible i mean imagine uh a full schedule um you know maybe you cut out a couple games here and there but still that that for a college student they're their bodies aren't adapted to that yet. They haven't got the strength like these professional athletes have that are out there. They're gaining it, and they'll eventually one day have it. But, I mean, you talk an NFL season, that's 17 weeks if you had a bye week in there. And uh, now they're talking about two complete seasons uh, for college football. That That's a lot of football. That's a lot of pounding on these kids' bodies, and that's when – uh, you know, injuries start occurring and things like that. And that's going to be another factor. you got a lot of these guys that will go on to the next level and play at that next level in the NFL, and they're going to opt out. They're, I mean, you know, uh, since we've been talking about Justin Fields, that kid uh, is, a, you know, a, a pro talent. He will play in the National Football League. There's no doubt about that. Does he risk playing in the fall? Yeah, he risk playing in the spring. You know, it's uh, you know, what does he do? Does he sit out? Does he hire an agent? Start working out? You know, uh, I'm sure these are things that are going through these kids' minds. Yeah, and and I see the timeline when the Big Ten has said they would want to play spring. That's not spring football. That is winter football. And uh, if they're going to try to play in January and February, that's another thing. Just you know, being up north. I mean, I think if if the SEC did it. 
it's warm enough down here where we, you could play maybe in January and February. I, I just I just saw that too. I said there is no way. I mean, just how cold it's going to be. That's another thing because then your numbers are going to drop. Then you're going to say, okay, do I want to do that? And it hurt my NFL stock as well. Exactly, and that that's where it's going to come down to these players. And it's sad that they're going to have to make a decision uh, whether to play or not, and that could greatly affect a lot of. Uh, people, but it also could benefit a lot of people. Uh, they're, you know, next man up. Uh-huh. Uh, that mentality: somebody's not going to play; they're going to opt out and sit. Uh, you know, you got to respect their decisions when it comes to that. You might not agree with it, but you got to respect it. Uh, you know, and then the, the next person's up and, and see what they do. Uh, it, it's just—it's crazy. This is just one of those things mm-hmm. where uh, you wake up every day, you you read the newspapers, you watch the news which I really don't recommend for anybody because I think a lot of it's just a bunch of garbage, but, um, you know, that, and you know, what's going to happen for this day and you take it day by day and you take baby steps throughout the day because that's what it's going to take to make it through this. Yeah. That was one thing I kind of was, I was talking with some people last week when the SEC said they're moving forward, big 12 ACC, of course the news pack 12, big 10, I said, look, we don't need to get like 1% happy. Things can still happen, but it's, it's hope. So if you're a college football fan, you do have hope of being a season. At least you have a couple leagues trying to do the right things to push forward to have a season. Cause I think they also believe how important it is. And I do believe none of these conferences are going to go out there and put the kids, those players in at risk. They're going to do everything they possibly can to make sure it's safe if they do go out there and play. And uh, one more thing on this with the spring thing, and this one get your thoughts too. Uh, and also, you know, springtime is a big time for development. So if you're playing spring football, then you're not developing your younger players. That's also a thing I look at. Coaches are probably not going to want to do because they're going to want to develop their talent for upcoming years. And they may look at, okay, if we're playing the spring, that might set us back a year or two in development of the freshmen and the sophomores. Oh, absolutely. And, and that, like you said, that's a big part of the spring is those r- maximum reps for these younger players. That's where they're able to uh, start learning the systems and seeing these. you got to understand there's a lot of these players, they, uh, they, they get up there and they're overwhelmed. They, they get a, a playbook dumped into their lap and they're going, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do when it comes to this? Their eyes are wide open. Their minds spinning. They got to go to class. They got to do their plays. You know, it's a lot to put on these uh, these kids, and um, for them not to have those opportunities in the spring, that would uh, affect that uh, coddling and that you know nurturing of the talent, uh, so they can become the players that you know a lot of them will come to be. Yeah, and you know, let's let's talk about this upcoming season for Georgia and uh, the SEC released their full schedule, the new schedule on Monday night. Which I joke with somebody. The fact is, just you know, for me being from state Alabama, the fact that that week one was being announced on the first hour of Paul Feinbaum show, I completely was like, do they even have the nerve to announce Alabama and Auburn are playing in week one? They didn't do it, but I just felt felt like it. on that show that would have been the perfect thing to do to stir up the callers. But uh, but anyways, with Georgia. Uh, they're probably going to play Auburn week two. It's, it's an interesting schedule. And, I, and actually with the schedule, the team that's not on it, because they're not going to play out of conference. For people, you know, you've played in the game, and you know 
the fans of the game, the rivalry with Georgia Tech. I mean, how much do you think when it comes around the fact that that game's not being played, of course we know the circumstances, it's really going to probably bother or, you know, is upsetting to probably Georgia and Georgia Tech fans? Well, I mean, it, it's been pretty lopsided uh, as of late. Uh, so I, I don't know if, if that's going to really be a big deal. But if you're, if you're looking at the schedule, uh, I mean, it's a pretty uh, heavy front-loaded schedule for Georgia. I mean, second week, Auburn, come back with Tennessee, Alabama. That's that's <laughs> a pretty big three uh, three weeks right there. And then, uh, you know, you got an open date after Kentucky, and then you got the Florida-Georgia game, which is huge. And then uh, from there, then you go right out to Missouri. I mean, it, there's, it, it, it looks like for Georgia, I mean, there's really not – uh, a powder puff game in there and then but you could say that about all the uh, schools here in the conference I mean it's just to play a full slated schedule like that of 10 games and they're all southeastern conference games that is a pretty daunting task for a football team to do that week in and week out and remain undefeated somebody will do it I'm sure but it's not going to be easy well, of course, Alabama doesn't got Auburn last. They have Arkansas to close out the schedule, so I really felt bad for the Crimson Tide on that one. Uh, anyways, uh, I guess probably got some Alabama fans mad at me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I saw that. I saw Auburn. I've kind of figured Auburn and Alabama wouldn't close the year out. And I saw Auburn had A&M. And I saw Alabama had Arkansas. I'm like, oh, of course, so there won't be any doubt or any uh, drama, I guess, in that last game if Alabama's 9-0 or whatever. But you know, you always hear this. People compare the SEC, you know, the level of play. It's the closest thing college football has to the National Football League. And of course, you played in NFL as well. So for coaches, I wonder if it's in a way it's going to be kind of like you're kind of navigating an NFL schedule because it's not like you have some of them FCS opponents mixed in there or lower of the FBS opponents too as well. No disrespect to any of them, but it's going to be a 10, 11, 12-week grind playing that level of talent every single week. Oh, absolutely. You're going to have to to monitor the wear and tear on, on these guys. Uh, uh, that's where depth is really going to become important, and that goes back to recruiting. Who's recruited? well as of late uh, or you know over the last few years I mean you got the, the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Auburns the Georgias, the Floridas you know they're going to have that depth uh, but then you look on the other hand uh, you know Mississippi Mississippi State, Vanderbilt Kentucky those they're not going to have that depth and that's what's going to be key you're going to see uh, with a schedule like this possibly some freshman that they would have redshirted normally, they're not going to be able to redshirt because they're going to have to put them in there. They're going to have to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that, that uh, a lot of people are going to have to sit down and uh, is a, you know, a coaching staff and go down that list and say, hey, where are, what are our players? What, I mean, what are our, our redshirt guys? That's going to weigh in very heavily. And, and I know this is a different schedule because of everything going on going on with a conference only, but Auburn and Georgia were still going to play in October with the original schedule. And just looking at that right here next to me, that just does not look right. 
<laughs> seeing Auburn and Georgia yeah. play in, in the month of October. Uh, it's uh, I think it's the first time well, since the, the – Before they added – yeah, before they added those two, you were looking at Georgia opening up against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So, <laughs> and, and that's not what anybody would want to do. Mm-mm. I did. I did hear from somebody that a big hangup with the schedule and why it took so long was that they had Alabama and Florida playing each other, and neither one of them wanted that. Yeah, there, there, there's some teams that there are no. Uh, I mean, the birthday cards will not be exchanged. <laughs> do, do, do you think um, the um, SEC office uh, sent the schedule to Nick Saban to get his approval? You know, I. I, I <laughs> I don't think they, I don't think they would have done that, but um, I joke, of course. But <laughs> he probably he, uh, <laughs> he he may have uh, you know, forced his influence in there. Yeah, we'll go that far with that. And of course, you know when they they do play each other, Alabama and Georgia. We talked about this last time. I think last time me and you talked is when Scott Crocker and he first was going to Georgia. He left Alabama, so I'm sure there's still going to be yeah. some uh, interesting subplots when Alabama and Georgia do play. Well, and he's made an impact uh, in Athens since he's been there. And I know it hasn't been a long time, but he's came in and he's put his stamp on things and uh, the players have responded to him. And it's really neat because, I mean, those are uh, additions to the coaching staff that you love to see. Uh, But it's amazing that uh, Nick Saban couldn't lose a guy like that and still go out and replace him. (laughs) It's impressive. It's that the machine in Tuscaloosa that keeps going and going and going. Uh, I, he could that really, if he if he ran for governor, he would win it in this state because every Alabama fan would vote for him and all, every Auburn fan would as well just to get him out of there. Uh, that's just as, <laughs> as simple as that <laughs> one is. Oh, let's talk about the Georgia team a little bit. And, you know, last time I had you on, we taught Jamie Newman. We taught Todd Monken, the new office coordinator. Uh, but JT Daniels is now kind of throwing a little wrinkle into that, uh, especially now that he's got the waiver. He is eligible to play. It seems like to me Kirby Smart just cannot stay away from having two really, really good quarterbacks that both are really good enough to play right away. Well, I, mean, I, guess, I guess that's a good problem to have. Um, I understand, you know, receiving the waiver. Uh, but I don't know, has his knee been fully rehabilitated and if they've given him the thumbs up to go back into full contact? I, I don't know. I knew that that was a, an issue at some point. Somebody was talking about that. I don't know if he's gotten the full thumbs up to get, to get out there and play, but they do have a crowded uh, quarterback meeting room. And I know that. Um, last time we did speak about Jamie Newman, and I've heard that he has uh, gone out and he has uh, won over uh, his teammates, and his teammates are fully behind him if, if that's the way that the Kirby Smart wants to go. Uh, and, and, and that's great to hear because I know the last year there was a lot of, you know, the fields from, fields from that got so old. Uh, and, you know, it got to the point where it was nauseating. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I saw that. And I, I I look at that, too, with from as they play in two different kind of offenses, what Justin Field was running at Ohio State. I mean, from I believe, could put up some really big-time numbers had he 
played in an air raid offense like what Fields was doing or some other quarterbacks like a two or Joe Burrow was doing, but that's not the offense he played in. He played in more of a traditional uh, pro-style offense that Georgia was running, and he he did well with it. I mean, I know he had some completion percentage numbers. You know, they dropped off a little bit last year. But I, that's a, that was always my feeling with Fromm. You put him in one of those offenses, he puts up those big numbers too. Oh, I agree. And plus, he also had a depleted wide receiver group. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of injuries to the receivers last year, uh, and he lost his main target, uh, you know, part way through the season. Uh, so that those were definite uh, problems and issues, and uh, I think he played extremely well uh, for being under the the gun like he was with everybody. Yeah, I. I... I just I it, it kind of just as a, just a casual viewer, uh, not a Georgia fan, just a fan of the college football. Just it just bothered me the the negativity and the criticism criticism he did get last year because of some of those things. Uh, when you look at this Georgia team as we close things out here, uh, what are your expectations? Of course, you didn't have the spring practice, so maybe that with the new offense coordinator and whoever the new quarterback is, you got to think that has a little bit of an impact. That without that spring practice that would normally would have happened and then you look at what they do have on the schedule and it does look like too that it's florida georgia and east it's one of those two teams are going to win the division but for you going into this this season uh, if we do get to see this team play what are your expectations defense Uh, we've all heard the the cliches defense wins championships and i think that's going to be extremely important for Georgia this year because it's going to take the offense a little bit of time to get cranked up. Once they do get cranked up, I think that they're going to be uh, a fantastic offense. I think they could be a dynamic offense because we have a situation where the quarterback that has an arm that can throw it all the way down the field, uh, he can also pull it down, tuck it away, and run with it. So uh, he'll bring that dimension that uh, we really haven't had in a while. Uh, and he's got some receivers uh, that are coming back that will be around him. He's got a, a good young tight end group that I think will be more involved in, under the new offensive coordinator system. And then we've got a stable of running backs like you wouldn't believe. It goes. It reminds me of the days of the uh, Lars Tate, Keith Henderson, Jim Worley, Rodney Hampton, uh, Alfonso Ellis. I mean, we had... Uh, a stable of running backs and they have that same thing and it's going to be hard to not just hand the ball off to those guys and watch them run because I think all of them would have an opportunity uh, that if they get that uh, they get the football that they're going to produce and that's going to be exciting but the defense is going to have to carry this team uh, for a while and I think they can do that I think they have the uh, uh, the upfront players uh, the, uh, the linebacking core and then the defensive back, the secondary is going to be uh, a big strength uh, for this team. And it's going to be uh, interesting because this is a, a defense that's fast and this is a defense that's going to knock you out when they get there. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. But I think defense is going to be the biggest key for the season. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, like we mentioned, the SEC going to conference only, it's going to, be, it's going to be a grind. I think it's going to be interesting to go down to that last week when Alabama plays Arkansas, I guess, to decide who's going to be in Atlanta to, to, to decide it all, all in the SEC. But uh, anyways, Troy, I do appreciate uh, you coming on the show as always. Always glad to have you on to talk to talk college football, just talk football in general. And uh, I do appreciate you taking the time out once again coming on the show. Uh, my pleasure anytime all you got to do is just give me a call i love talking football i love talking georgia football and uh stay uh, healthy and stay safe and go dogs thank you for listening to talking sec follow philip on social media at p jordan sec and the show at talking sec pod subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast we'll see you next time when we're talking sec